of a quick pray for the children's and creche workers out there. It's riddled with kids. And Astrid has 14 young people out there. So God, please take note, we need a bigger building. Okay, um, I've got a quiz for you uh, to start off with. It's called Spot the Odd One Out. Okay, so we have a car, we have a combi boiler, we have a washing machine, and we have a caravan. I don't want to spend long on this because this is my sermon time. Has anyone got a sensible guess as to which is the odd one out? Wait a minute, I can't shout at me like that. Go on then. The car because it's blue. Okay. It's not that, but yes, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I should have asked Astrid to put a white car up there. The heater, why? Because you can't put things in it? Nope. Hannah. Washing machine is the only thing that doesn't keep you warm. No. Caravan. Well, I suppose it is, but it's not the point I want. Okay. Right, it's okay. <laughs> Jeff, do you have an idea? Why? Because it can't be operated on its own. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, well, all right. The, 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 uh, We'll we'll return to this in a moment, right? As my sermon progresses, you may get... If you do, please don't put your hand up until I ask for you. There's a point in my sermon when I will come back to this, okay? But keep that in mind. Keep that up there. That's great. I want to tell you something that's happened in my life this last week or two that's uh, made me think and why this sermon has come about. We have had low water pressure in our house for ages, right? It means, well, at first we didn't really notice it was getting any slower. Um, and when, when we did, Dave tried turning the stopcock up and, uh, to give more pressure, but it was jammed, so we couldn't do that. And then we kind of, kind of like, well, you know, can we tr- try and turn it on again? So we got a spanner out and broke the thing. So there's no way that it's ever going to move now. But we just thought, oh, well, and we adjusted our lives accordingly. We learned to wash our hands quickly before the toilet cistern started filling. Because if you didn't, you would have to wait for the, that to fill up, which took ages, before you get enough water to wash your hands. We turned on the taps in the bath for Marla's bath when she stayed over about 10 minutes before she needed to get in because of the dribble that was coming out of the taps. Don't ever brush your teeth in our house while the dishwasher or the washing machine is on or somebody's flushed the toilet downstairs. I mean, but we just learnt to live with things. We adjusted our lives accordingly and we knew when visitors came, they didn't know, they had a bit of a shock when they had to wait for ages in the toilet so they could wash their hands. But hey, then over two weeks ago, nearly three weeks ago now, Alan, Rachel and Marla move back in with the parents because they're having their kitchen redone it looks lovely but they couldn't live in their flat so and it was great to have them all back in but the things that 
annoyed them when they came to visit us, now really annoyed them when they were staying there and there were more toilets. <laughs> That's a, that's a different sermon <laughs> about patience and stuff. So, no. So, when there were more toilets flushing and more showers happening and more people needed to clean their teeth and more baths needed to be run, Rachel and Alan said, for goodness sake, could you sort this out? And we're like, oh, I suppose that would be a good idea, really. But... <laughs> We just learned to live with it. So Dave, in all his wisdom, and this is a wisdom, we've been paying insurance. Don't laugh, he does have some. We've been paying insurance for our water pipes and whatever for, for years because it's a good thing to do if anything goes wrong. We could call the people we've been paying all these years we've never claimed off. They can come and fix it. And Julie, second time round, they did. They came and they took out the old stopcock and they put in a new one because the old one had got so furred up. That's why it jammed. But you look down it, and the bit that the water was going to come through was getting smaller and smaller. It was minute. No wonder we're hardly having any water into our house. We just accommodated that lack of water and that aggravation and that inconvenience, and we just absorbed it into our lives. This got me thinking and talking to God about things that we don't check in our lives that creep in. Attitudes that take up residence. Habits, habits that become acceptable and part of us. When do we ever check our lives to see if they need unblocking, adjusting, repairing, or renewing? Right. Now we're going to return to this. Which is the odd one out? No. Nope. Cindy. Nope. No. Okay, you just, we're not getting this right. Okay. It is the car is the odd one out because it is the only item on there that is required by law to have an external examination once a year when it gets over three years. But then Eunice will tell you that's not strictly true because she's a landlord. So there's another item on there that requires an annual check, the boiler. But if it's in a domestic home, you don't have to legally have to have your boiler checked, which is always a good idea too. Ours is due for a service uh, any week now. But it's, it's the car, because the car has to have, by law, if it's over three years old, an MOT. And an MOT involves dozens of checks on the car, ranging from brakes and fuel system to lights, mirrors, seat belts, windscreen wipers, exhaust system and emissions. Did you know that? They check it all. All you car owners that have older cars, every time it goes in every year, and we have a mechanic in our midst, he'll tell you, Dave. When it goes in, you're kind of thinking, oh, please don't let it fail. Please don't let it fail. Um, because it can be quite expensive to get it sorted out. But they have an annual check and test on whether they are roadworthy or not. So I thought, is there anything in the Bible about checking, doing an MOT test on us? And I have found seven things that I am going to whiz through. First one, it's a good thing to ask God to check you regularly, check you over regularly. One, because he knows the best and know exactly 
where you are at. I'm going to read you from Psalm, if you've got your Bibles, although I'm reading in the Passion Version. Psalm 139, the first four verses, says this. Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every moment of my heart and soul, and you understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. You are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book, and you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey begins. It's good to ask God to check you over because he is the person that knows absolutely everything about you, past, present, and future. And you know what? He's always right about you. He is never wrong. You might have arguments about it, but ultimately he's always right and he's never wrong. So it's good to ask God to check you over because he knows um, you best and exactly where you are. And then in Psalm 139, the same psalm, verse 23 and 24, um, the psalmist invites God. It says, God, verse 23, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through my anxious cares. See if there's any path of pain I'm walking on and lead me into your glorious everlasting ways, the path that brings me back to you. The psalmist there is saying, I am asking you, God, to examine me. I want to know, I want you to shed a light on my life. Is there anything hidden that I've not noticed that I need to see? Is there anything, or test and sift the anxious thoughts in, in, my, in my mind, my cares. And do you know what? If you're worrying and you're being anxious, you're either, you, there's probably two things that are wrong. One, you don't know what God says about the situation. Or two, you're not trusting him if you do know. And the Bible says it's not good for you to be anxious and stressed and worried. It's to cast those anxieties and stress on God. Get his perspective. Get hit, get to hear what he's got to say. Apply that to your life. And then you can live a life that's a little less stressful. And it says, see if there's any paths of pain. Now, the New Living Translation points, um, it says, pointing out anything me that offends you. This means if you've started, even inadvertently, heading in slightly the wrong direction, that's going to cause you pain ultimately because you're heading in the wrong direction. The psalmist is saying, please tell me so that I can get myself back onto the path that leads me back to you, back on the path of eternal life. You know, one of those great big ships, those tankers, it only takes one or two degrees to be out of where they're going and eventually... A long time later, they're going in the completely opposite direction. And I would say to you as a Christian, you need to be careful of just getting one or two or three degrees out, letting an attitude kind of creep in that shouldn't be there. Because if that stays in there, then you start veering off the path of eternal life that leads to God, and you start getting your own path that leads to trouble. And um, none of us want that. Not many people turn from God overnight, do they? It's a slow kind of taking their eyes off one degree here. Okay, oh, well, I won't bother going to life group this, this, this fortnight. Or I won't bother going to church. I'm not going to read my Bible. I won't bother praying. And do you know what? I'm just going to do that little dishonest thing. And, oh, it's only once and whatever. And it's the slow little things that kind of set you on the wrong track. And we're going to take communion in, in, a, in a little while. 
and um, there is, the Apostle Paul tells, actually tells us to examine ourselves. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, verse 20 to 28, it tells us about what we're about to do. And these Corinthians, this, he was writing to a church that was a right naughty people, right? If you read Corinthians, he's continually addressing them and telling them, Oi, this is wrong, sort it. Stop doing that. Will you do this instead? They were getting it kind of wrong. And, and they got it really wrong with um, the, the communion and taking uh, the, the Lord's Supper. And it says in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 20, When all of your house churches gather together as one church family, you're not really properly celebrating the Lord's Supper. For when it comes to time to eat, because they had, they had a proper meal, not just bread and wine, um, some gobble down their food before anything is given to others. So one is left hungry while the others become drunk. Don't you all have homes where you can eat and drink? Don't you realize that you're showing a superior attitude by humiliating those people who have nothing? Are you trying to show contempt for God's beloved church? How should I address this appropriately? If you're looking for my approval, you won't find it. I've handed down to you what came to me direct by direct revelation from the Lord himself. The same night in which he was handed over, he took bread and gave thanks. He distributed it amongst the disciples and said, Take it and eat your fill. It is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. He did the same with a cup of wine after the supper and said, This cup seals the new covenant with my blood. Drink it, and whenever you drink this, you will remember me. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are telling the story, proclaiming about the Lord's death until he comes. For this reason, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in the wrong spirit will be guilty of dishonoring the body and the blood of the Lord. So here it comes, verse 28. So let each individual first evaluate his own attitude and then eat the bread and drink the cup. Now I've had Christians over the years, really, this is what really annoys Dave and I. I didn't take communion today. Oh, why is that? Well, because I've got something wrong in my life. Duh. If you know you've got something wrong in your life and you've got the symbols of the fact that you can be forgiven if you repent and turn from it, why haven't you done that? Why are you still sitting there with the thing that's wrong in your life still wrong in your life? And you think you've done God a favour by not taking communion. I mean... The forgiveness, the symbols of forgiveness, retelling the story about Jesus putting himself on the cross so that we've been forgiven of the mistakes we continue to make. I've just gone past you and you are keeping on to your mistakes and just saying, well, I was a good Christian because I never took communion because I'm being a hypocrite. No, you're being an idiot. Accept the forgiveness. Get it sorted out. Even if you have to have the bread and the wine in your hand for a bit, get it sorted out. And so, right, God, in celebration of me being forgiven now, I'm, and I'm determined to get this sorted out, I'm taking this to retell the story of your grace. Yeah? And so it, we need, when we break bread together, we need to be, and we're going to do that today later, we're going to say, God, scan me, search me. Is there anything that offends you in my life? Is there anything that you need to talk to me about? Is there anything that I need to get right with you? So that's the first thing. It's good to ask God to check you over regularly. The second thing is, you can fool others, but you're not fooling God. Now, there's a very, very um, scary story in Acts chapter 5 
and I don't think I've really got time to, to read it, verses 1 to 10, if you want to listen, listen to this on podcast and want to go back. But the early church had just had thousands of people join it, and there were loads of people in need, so people were bringing gifts of food and gifts of resources and gifts of money to the early church leaders and saying, right, there are p- poor people in our church, here's my money, give them, give them some money so they're not in need. And, and that was great, and people were doing it. And two people called Ananias and Sapphira saw all these people giving these gifts and saw them being like, thank you very much, that's really great, that's really going to help us minister to the poor. And they thought, oh, we've got a bit of land. I'll tell you what, we're going to sell it. So they sold it, and then they came to the disciples, and they decided together they were going to keep a portion of the money for themselves and give the rest to the church. Nothing wrong with that until they decided they were going to tell the disciples, the leaders of the church, that the money they gave them was the whole money. Uh, If you read your story, you'll know that the Holy Spirit revealed to Peter that exactly what they're doing. They weren't being above board. They were lying. They were trying to deceive and say they've given all of the money from the land we've just sold, and actually they'd stashed some away. And if you read the story, the bloke, when he was confronted, dropped dead, probably out of a heart attack of shock. And the blokes who buried him came back in just in time for the wife to come and say to Peter, yes, did did you get the gift we gave you? It was all of the money. Boom, sheep gone and all. Yeah, so it's it's not it's not a kind of sermon you preach when there are non-Christians in the room, like you know what I mean. But um, it it does say that we need to not pretend and project a false image, because that's not good. That's not right. And those two people caught the judgment of that. You see, people can pretend or project a false image of themselves out of insecurity, wanting to fit in, to be accepted, needing to be valued. I understand that. I understand that. But let me just tell you, God and Horizon values you just as you are. Don't try and clean yourself up or tidy your life up or big yourself up to be accepted by God or Horizon. You don't need to. You're accepted as you are. All we are wanting to do is for you to come and be honest about that. You see, you may fool us, but probably not. You think you might be fooling us about stuff in your lives and in projecting images that are, are not you. But actually, we probably know and we're just waiting for God to talk to you about being honest about yourself, right? But if you think you're fooling us, and if you are fooling us, well, you can't fool God. And I wonder what was the inscription they put on Ananias and Sapphira's gravestone. Oops, God knew. <laughs> or public health warning, don't try to be something or someone you're not. I don't know what it was, but they learned that lesson the hard way. So it's good to examine ourselves and say, the things that I'm putting out to people, communicating to people, saying that I am, what I do, how I think, what a lifestyle I have, is that true and honest? Is that a true reflection of you or not? And we need to kind of, that's an MOT thing we ought to have. Am I trying to be someone that I'm not? The third thing is... I've got two Bibles today, look, you're getting it both barrels. I like this verse, this bit better in this version. 2 Corinthians uh, 9, verse 6 to 7, it's about giving. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. 
You must each make up your own mind as to how much you should give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves the person who gives cheerfully, and God will provide all you need, and you, then you will have everything you need and plenty to left, left over to share with others. We heard last week about the, our faith challenge, and we'll probably hear about it again next week to make sure we've captured everyone so everyone knows. Check what you're giving, why you're giving, and how you're giving. That's a good MOT check. To, to have on our lives. And I, I went into that a little bit more last week in the fi financial presentation. But, you know, we need to decide what we're going to give, how we're going to give it, and why we're giving it. And God loves a giver with a big smile on their face, a, a face, they're a cheerful giver. So, okay, we've got, um, we've done three now. So, it's good to ask God to check you over regularly. You can't fool God, even if you think you're fooling others. So check out whether it's a real, you're the real deal that you're putting forward. Thirdly is giving. And fourth is spiritual gifts. MOT, your spiritual gifts. Paul was checking on his young minister, in Timothy, the book of Timothy, Paul was checking on his young um, minister that he was um, mentoring. And he told him two things. In 1 Timothy 4.14, he says, Timothy, don't neglect or minimize the spiritual gift you received. Don't neglect or minimize it. Secondly, 2 Timothy 1.6-7, fan into flame and rekindle the fire of the spiritual gifts God has imparted to you. So I ask us, have we received the baptism of the Holy Spirit since we believed? If the answer is no, get to Dave's sessions. Uh, that he's going to do another one of. Ask, or when you're talking to God, just ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Have you exercised spiritual gifts in the past? If the answer is yes, the next question is, are you still doing it? If the answer is no, MOT is required. If you are exercising spiritual gifts, are you seeking God to be used more and asking maybe for more gifts? You may be... Satis you know, been satisfied before with just the gift of prophecy. Why don't you ask for the word of knowledge or, or wisdom or the gift of healing to pray for people who are sick? MOT test. Don't become like we did with our water. Well, yeah, I, you know, I can speak in tongues and I can have a, a, a prophecy or a whatever and give a message in tongues or interpret it. That, that would do. No, 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 no. God's gifts, the Holy Spirit, are given to all and it says earnestly desire and seek spiritual gifts. We need probably our MOT to kind of say, perhaps we need a bit more of the Holy Spirit in our lives, yeah? Well, I do. What about you? Fifthly, talents. In Matthew 25, 14 to 30, Jesus tells a parable, a story about a man that gave, he was going away, so he gave three servants three differing types of uh, lots of money. And um, he asked them, he just said, well, I'm going away, when I come back, we'll have a word about this. And um, the, the one with five talents really did some great stuff with it and doubled it. The one with three doubled it. And the one with one went and found a, a secure place, dug a hole, buried it. And when the man came back, he dug it back up and gave it him and said, I was scared just in case I lost it. Ugh. So the, when the man came back with, for them and wanted an account, he, he called him in and he asked them, each individual, to give an account. And, you know, I think God gives us loads of stuff that we probably ought to think about giving an account for. For example, talents, your abilities, your expertise, your gifts. You might be using them at work, but are you using them in the church? I'm sure we can find a place for them. 
Time, there's a gift to us. We've all got the same, do you know we've all got the same amount of time? 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week. Yeah, 52 weeks in a year, we've all got the same time. But what do we do with it? I had a shock this week. I've up, upgraded my iPhone and my iPad. What's my shock? Screen time, right? And you can look about what you spe- how much time you spend on that phone. Now, I've got emails and texts and WhatsApp that are doing church work and all that sort of stuff. But there are also things, social media, like, whoa. I'm like, better look at that. Better have an MOT on that. You know, and I've been extremely busy recently with people living in my house and looking after... Looking after an elderly person who's got dementia, bless him, and, and so much is going off. And do you know what? Crammed out of my life for a little bit is getting out in the morning first thing and walking around the park and talking to God. Because I'm just so like, I've got to get the fair share stuff at seven in the morning. I've got to do this. I've got to do the MOT time, Judith. What about time spent talking to me? I know you're running around doing good stuff, but excuse me, I need to put some fuel in your tank. Okay. MOT time. How's your time going with God? Um, what things are we doing with our leisure time? Ask God to just scan it, to look at it, to test it. Are we, do, are we using it wisely? Sixth thing, being salt and light. Jesus tells us, like Wes preached a couple of weeks ago, or was it last week? I can't hardly remember. It's been a long, I don't know whether it was. Oh, who preached last week? Wes, oh, it was last week. Okay, a lot's happened in a week. Right, it was Wes, and he was talking about being salt and light. Um, And being salt and light means that people help, we help people to see Jesus and find Jesus, right? So take stock, I think it's a good MOT thing, to take stock about how much and how effective we're being at being the Jesus people see. What do they learn about Jesus by the way we speak to them? by the way that we conduct our lives, by our habits, by our generosity. What, how much do they see of, of Jesus? You see, the Tesco bread, right, that we get, there's loads more today again. Um, the Tesco bread, you can bless someone, you know. Why don't you go and bless someone with it? And occasionally, we get flowers, Now, I personally think, there's two bunches here, I personally think, unless you can think of anyone better, that one of these bunch of flowers and some bread needs to go to Pam. It's the anniversary today of 14 years of when her daughter suddenly died, and which is why she's looking after Gracie. I think one of those bunch of flowers and stuff needs to go to Pam. But there's another bunch there. Please take the reduced thing off and all of that. And they won't probably last as long forever. But who is it that you could take those flowers and say, do you know what? God bless you. You're doing a great job. Or we're with you or whatever. Or take some bread and stuff that's there and go and bless someone else. And you say, oh, well, they don't, they don't eat bread like that. Well, do like some other people have done and take the bread and make it into something that people do eat. Like Bread and butter pudding. I'm going to make that soon. Do you know what? We made some garlic parsley croutons to go with the homemade soup that I made. Whoa! Wait, no, not. I was pointing at Rachel. You just happened to be sitting on the same row, right? Whenever you made croutons, all you make in the kitchen is a mess. 
<laughs> so we made croutons. They were awesome. I'm going to do that again. And Jill Brewer, bless her, where is she over there? She sent me a few recipes of what you can do with old bread or uh, that's, you know, it's a bit dry or whatever. And we're going to start stockpiling those and so that you can do something useful. Why don't you turn that into something that's probably a little bit more um, appetizing and then give that away to someone, maybe in a non-Christian, and say, do you know what? Our church gets this from Tesco, bless them. And I am giving it to you because I just want to bless you. Just to say, brilliant, have a good day. Don't get too fat on the, tree, on the treacle tart that I've just made you. Yeah, because you can make treacle tart with bread crumbs in it. Don't get me started now. Don't get me started. So we can be salt and light. You know, so take some of the stuff that we are, we've been given and see if you can be salt and light by giving it to people that will be blessed by it. When was the last time you intentionally invited someone to church? Yasmin, who invited you to church? That will do. That's exactly the answer I wanted. Amy invited her to church. That's all Amy did, apart from living her life now, but she's become a Christian. And I've spoken to Yas when she came to church that Sunday. And she said to me, she said, oh, I said, you're right. I can feel it. I, I can feel it. And what she meant was she can feel the presence of God. The easiest thing to do is to invite someone to church. You don't have to persuade them about God. You don't have to explain all that's happening. You don't have to say, apologize for them singing all these songs you haven't got a clue what about. The Holy Spirit is here. He starts to speak to people. He starts to call them home. He starts to get a, a generate a hunger and a thirst for the spiritual stuff. He starts to kind of speak to them through the songs or the sermon or whatever's happening or you having tea and coffee and just saying hi. I've just been very polite to people. I'm being very welcoming to people. He starts to speak to the need in people's lives. You don't have to persuade them to come back for more. They're there. They get saved the next week. Oh, come on. Yeah, but you're not doing that because you know my next punchline is, who are you going to invite then? That's why you weren't getting excited. Oh, well, I don't think that they would. Stuff what you think. If you think you should invite, if you have an opportunity to invite someone to church, take a risk and invite them to church. And okay, I'm going to make it really easy for you now. 23rd of December is coming. That's our carol service. Right. You're providing the cakes, okay? Right. <laughs> Carol service. Now, Astrid has gone bonkers with ideas. I mean, I can't make the meeting she's got on Tuesday, but she's going bonkers with the ideas, and some of them are really good, and some of them are quite funny, and some of them are, some of them are going to be tear-jerkingly spirit-filled stuff. And I'm like, whoa. Do you know, the easiest way for you to invite someone to church when we get them is to take the invites for the carol service. And for goodness sake, personally invite. Don't just kind of leave one on a chair at an office. 
come on, get a bit of Holy Spirit MOT stuff done, get some boldness and some courage and say, do you know what? What are you doing on the 23rd at 6 o'clock in December? Because I'd really like you to come with me to my church's carol service. I guarantee you've probably never been to a carol service like this before. It's going to be fun. It's going to be Christmassy. Flip. Salt and light. There we go. And finally, number seven. I've done quite well, really, haven't I? Seven is a list of other things that I haven't got time to talk about that maybe you want to kind of include in your MOT before God. Your language, whether that's what you say to people, whether that's what you think, and also on social media. If your social media language doesn't match up to what you talk like on a Sunday, sort it. Right? Because we've got to be constant. It's got to be something that, that's flowing through us that's pure. Honesty. Maybe you want to ask God to do an MOT test on honesty. Maybe there's some dodgy deals at work that you're tempting to get involved in. Just talk to God. You don't have to talk to me. I don't got a clue about your life. When you talk to God, he will tell you about it. Serving. Are you? How well are you? There's loads of things we can talk about. Relationships. Here's a good one. Ask God to look over your relationships. Have you asked God to look over your relationships recently and for him to give you his opinion on whether any of them are a bit kind of dodge or heading in the wrong direction or you need to make a stand or you need to make a change? Maybe in your life groups, we meet this week. I know one life group's all doing the Holy Spirit and stuff. That's great. But maybe in your life group this week, you could have a discussion about other areas it would be good to include in a spiritual MOT. That would be a good thing for you to do. And you know what? If you are really, 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 really serious about being the best disciple of Jesus you can ever be, then you might want to consider asking someone who knows you really well and book a time with them and ask them to tell you what they see in your life, good and bad. Ooh. Now, Judith, you're getting a little bit too near the bone there. No, I'm not. Sometimes we need to take people and say, look, what can you see in my life? Is there anything, you know, is there anything that's bugging you? But please don't say, right, can you do that? Like in the coffee, could you do that and could you do it now? Give them some time to think and pray about it, but book a time in to go and see it. And ask them, because I don't know about you, but I want to be the best for God I can be. I want to be the brightest light and the, the tangiest tasting salt I can be so that people find Jesus. Is that what it's all about? So maybe you can ask someone to do that. So we are going to take communion now. If, if my communion servers could go and get it, that's great. Um, I don't want the, the, the worship band to come up because we're going to play some uh, instrumental uh, worship song. When the bread and the wine comes around, I've already read it in context here, what it represents. I want you to hold the bread in one hand and the wine cup in the other. And I want you to hold it until you have before God examined yourself. So have a talk to God. Close your eyes, it's probably easier to, to, to concentrate. And talk to God and say, okay, God, I'm, I'm taking this as a symbol of your forgiveness and the life that you died to give me. I'm asking you to give me a 
quick check over it. Is there anything you want to talk to me about? Is there anything I need to put right before I celebrate your death and your resurrection? Okay, it's a personal thing. I want, in fact, when you've got the bread and what's it in your hand, I'd, I really would like you to close your eyes because I don't want you looking around to see who's holding the bread and the wine longest because they've got the most to sort out in their lives. That's none of your business, none of my business, okay? So I want you to take, close, don't, no, don't close your eyes yet because you can't see the bread and the wine coming. When you've got the bread and the wine, close your eyes. We're going to have some music on. It's just between you and God. <laughs> 